0: Chapter Sixteen of the Autobiography of Benjamin Franklin. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Autobiography of Benjamin Franklin by Benjamin Franklin. Chapter Sixteen Braddock's Expedition. The British Government not choosing to permit the union of the colonies as proposed at albany and to trust that union with their defence lest they should thereby grow too military and feel their own strength suspicions and jealousies at this time being entertained of them sent over general braddock with two regiments of regular english troops for that purpose he landed at alexandria in virginia and thence marched to Fredericktown in maryland where he halted for carriages our assembly apprehending from some information that he had conceived violent prejudice against them as adverse to the service wished me to wait upon him not as much from them but as postmaster-general under the guise of proposing to settle with him the mode of conducting with most celerity and certainty the dispatches between him and the governors of the several provinces with whom he must necessarily have continual correspondence and of which they proposed to pay the expense my son accompanied me on this journey we found the general at Fredericktown, waiting impatiently for the return of those he had sent through the back parts of maryland and virginia to collect wagons i stayed with him several days dined with him daily and had opportunity of removing all his prejudice by the information of what the assembly had before his arrival actually done, or were still willing to do to facilitate his operations. When I was about to depart, the returns of wagons to be obtained were brought in, by which it appeared that they amounted only to twenty-five, and not all of those were in serviceable condition. The general and all the officers were surprised, declared the expedition was then at an end, being impossible, and exclaimed against the ministers for ignorantly landing them in a country destitute of the means of conveying their stores baggage etc not less than one hundred and fifty wagons being necessary i happened to say i thought it was a pity they had not landed rather in pennsylvania as in that country almost every farmer had his wagon the general eagerly laid hold of my words and said then you sir who are a man of interest there, can probably procure them for us, and I beg you will undertake it. I asked what terms were to be offered the owners of the wagons, and I was desired to put on paper the terms that appeared to me necessary. This I did, and they were agreed to, and a commission and instructions accordingly prepared immediately. What those terms were will appear in the advertisement I published as soon as I arrived at Lancaster which being from the great and sudden effect it produced, a piece of some curiosity i shall insert it at length as it follows advertisement lancaster april twenty sixth seventeen fifty five whereas one hundred and fifty wagons with four horses to each wagon and fifteen hundred saddle or pack-horses are wanted for the service of his majesty's forces now about to rendezvous at will's creek and his excellency general braddock having been pleased to empower me to contract for the hire of the same i hereby give notice that i shall attend for that purpose at lancaster from this day to next wednesday evening and at york from next thursday morning till friday evening where i shall be ready to agree for wagons and teams or single horses on the following terms, viz. 1. That there shall be paid for each wagon, with four good horses and a driver, fifteen shillings per diem, and for each able horse with a pack-saddle, or other saddle and furniture, two shillings per diem, and for each able horse without a saddle, eighteen pence per diem, that the pay commence from the time of their joining the forces at Will Creek which must be on or before the twentieth of may ensuing and that a reasonable allowance be paid over and above for the time necessary for their travelling to will's creek and home again after their discharge Three, each wagon and team and every saddle or pack horse is to be valued by indifferent persons chosen between me and the owner and in case of the loss of any wagon team or other horse in the service the price according to such valuation is to be allowed and paid seven days pay is to be advanced and paid in hand by me to the owner of each wagon and team or horse at the time of contracting if required and the remainder to be paid by general braddock or by the paymaster of the army at the time of their discharge or from time to time as it shall be demanded Five no drivers of wagons or persons taking care of the hired horses are on any account to be called upon to do the duty of soldiers or be otherwise employed than in conducting or taking care of their carriages or horses six all oats indian corn or other forage that wagons or horses bring to the camp more than is necessary for the subsistence of the horses is to be taken for the use of the army and a reasonable price paid for the same Note: my son william franklin is empowered to enter into like contracts with any person in cumberland county b franklin to the inhabitants of the counties of lancaster york and cumberland friends and countrymen being occasionally at the camp at frederick a few days since i found the general and officers extremely exasperated on account of their not being supplied with horses and carriages which had been expected from this province as most able to furnish them but through the dissensions between our governor and assembly money had not been provided nor any steps taken for that purpose it was proposed to send an armed force immediately into these counties to seize as many of the best carriages and horses as should be wanted and compel as many persons into the services would be necessary to drive and take care of them i apprehended that the progress of british soldiers through these counties on such an occasion especially considering the temper they are in and their resentment against us would be attended with many and great inconveniences to the inhabitants and therefore more willingly took the trouble of trying first what might be done by fair and equitable means the people of these back counties have lately complained to the assembly that a sufficient currency was wanting you have an opportunity of receiving and dividing among you a very considerable sum for if the service of this expedition should continue as it is more than probable it will for one hundred and twenty days the hire of these wagons and horses will amount to upward of thirty thousand pounds which will be paid you in silver and gold of the king's money the service will be light and easy for the army will scarce march above twelve miles per day and the wagons and baggage horses as they carry those things that are absolutely necessary to the welfare of the army must march with the army and no faster and are for the army's sake always placed where they can be most secure whether in a march or in a camp if you are really as i believe you are good and loyal subjects to his majesty you may now do a most acceptable service and make it easy to yourselves for three or four of such as cannot separately spare from the business of their plantations a wagon and four horses and a driver may do it together one furnishing the wagon another one or two horses and another the driver and and divide the pay proportionately between you but if you do not this service to your king and country voluntarily when such good pay and reasonable terms are offered to you your loyalty will be strongly suspected the king's business must be done so many brave troops come so far for your defence must not stand idle through your backwardness to do what may be reasonably expected from you wagons and horses must be had violent measures will probably be used and you will be left to seek for a recompense where you can find it and your case perhaps be little pitied or regarded i have no particular interest in this affair as except the satisfaction of endeavouring to do good i shall have only my labour for my pains if this method of obtaining the wagons and horses is not likely to secede i am obliged to send word to the general in fourteen days and i suppose sir john st clair the hussar with a body of soldiers will immediately enter the province for the purpose which i shall be sorry to hear because i am very sincerely and truly your friend and well wisher, b franklin i received of the general about eight hundred pounds to be dispersed in advance money to the wagon-owners etc but that sum being insufficient i advanced upward of two hundred pounds more and in two weeks the one hundred and fifty wagons with two hundred and fifty-nine carrying horses were on their march for the camp the advertisement promised payment according to the valuation in case any wagon or horse should be lost the owners however alleging they did not know general braddock or what dependence might be had on his promise insisted on my bond for the performance which i accordingly gave them when i was at the camp supping one evening with the officers of colonel dunbar's regiment he represented to me his concern for the subalterns who he said were generally not in affluence and could ill afford in this dear country to lay in the stores that might be necessary in so long a march through a wilderness where nothing was to be purchased i commiserated their case and resolved to endeavour procuring them some relief i said nothing however To him of my intention but wrote the next morning to the committee of the assembly who had the disposition of some public money warmly recommending the case of these officers to their consideration and proposing that a present should be sent them of necessaries and refreshments my son who had some experience of a camp life and of its wants drew up a list for me which i enclosed in my letter the committee approved and used such diligence that conducted by my son the stores arrived at the camp as soon as the wagons they consisted of twenty parcels each containing six pounds loaf sugar six pounds good muscato ditto one pound good green tea one pound good bohea ditto six pounds good ground coffee six pounds chocolate one to two hundredth weight Best white biscuit, one to two pounds pepper, one quart best white wine, one quart best white wine vinegar, one Gloucester cheese, one keg containing twenty pounds good butter, two dozen old Madeira wine, two gallons Jamaica spirits, one bottle flour of mustard, two well cured hams, one to two dozen dried tongues, six pounds rice, six pounds raisins. These twenty parcels, well-packed, were placed on as many horses, each parcel with a horse being intended as a present for one officer. They were very thankfully received, and the kindness acknowledged by letters to me from the colonels of both regiments, in the most grateful terms. The general, too, was highly satisfied with my conduct in procuring him the wagons, etc., and readily paid my account of disbursements, thanking me repeatedly, and requesting my farther assistance in sending provisions after him i undertook this also and was busily employed in it till we heard of his defeat advancing from the service of my own money upwards of one thousand pounds sterling of which i sent him an account it came to his hands luckily for me a few days before the battle and he returned me immediately an order on the paymaster for the round sum of one thousand pounds leaving the remainder to the next account. I consider this payment as good luck, having never been able to obtain that remainder, of which more hereafter. The general was, I think, a brave man, and might probably have made a figure as a good officer in some European war, but he had too much self-confidence, too high an opinion of the validity of regular troops, and too mean a one of both Americans and Indians george cochran our indian interpreter joined him on his march with one hundred of those people who might have been of great use to his army as guides scouts etc if he had treated them kindly but he slighted and neglected them and they gradually left him in conversation with him one day he was giving me some account of his intended progress after taking fort duquesne says he i am to proceed to niagara and having taken that to frontiac if the season will allow time and i suppose it will for duquesne can hardly detain me above three or four days and then i see nothing that can obstruct my march to niagara having before revolved in my mind the long line his army must take in their march by a very narrow road to be cut for them through the woods and bushes and also what i had read of a former defeat of fifteen hundred french who invaded the iroquois country i had conceived some doubts and some fears for the event of the campaign but i ventured only to say to be sure sir if you arrive well before Duquesne with these fine troops so well provided with artillery that place not yet completely fortified and as we here with no very strong garrison can probably make but a short resistance the only danger i apprehend of obstruction to your march is from ambuscades of indians who by constant practice are dexterous in laying and executing them and the slender line near four miles long which your army must take may expose it to be attacked by surprise in its flanks and to be cut like a thread into several pieces which from their distance cannot come up in time to support each other he smiled at my ignorance and replied these savages may indeed be a formidable enemy to your raw american militia but upon the king's regular and disciplined troops sir it is impossible they should make any impression i was conscious of an impropriety in my disputing with a military man in matters of his profession and said no more the enemy however did not take the advantage of his army which i apprehended its long line of march exposed it to but let it advance without interruption till within nine miles of the place and then when more in the body for it had just passed a river where the front had halted till all were come over and in a more open part of the woods than any it had passed attacked its advance guard by heavy fire from behind trees and bushes which was the first intelligence the general had of an enemy being near him this guard being disordered the general hurried the troops up to their assistance which was done in great confusion through wagons baggage and cattle and presently the fire came upon their flanks the officers being on horseback were more easily distinguished picked out as marks and fell very fast and the soldiers were crowded together in a huddle having or hearing no orders and standing to be shot at till two-thirds of them were killed and then being seized with a panic the whole fled with precipitation the wagoners took each a horse out of his team and scampered their example was immediately followed by others so that all the wagons provisions artillery and stores were left to the enemy the general being wounded was brought off with difficulty his secretary, Mr. Shirley, was killed by his side, and out of eighty-six officers sixty-three were killed or wounded, and seven hundred and fourteen men killed out of eleven hundred. These eleven hundred had been picked from the whole army, the rest had been left behind with Colonel Dunbar, who was to follow with the heavier part of the stores, provisions, and baggage. The fliers not being pursued arrived at Dunbar's camp, and the panic they brought with them instantly seized him and all his people and though he had now above one thousand men and the enemy who had beaten braddock did not at most exceed four hundred indians and french together instead of proceeding and endeavouring to recover some of the lost honour he ordered all the stores ammunition etc to be destroyed so that he might have more horses to assist his flight towards the settlements and less lumber to remove. He was there met with requests from the governors of Virginia, Maryland, and Pennsylvania, that he would post his troops on the frontier, so as to afford some protection to the inhabitants. But he continued his hasty march through all the country, not thinking himself till he arrived at Philadelphia, where the inhabitants could protect him. This whole transaction gave us Americans the first suspicion that our exalted ideas of the prowess of british regulars had not been well founded in their first march too from their landing till they got beyond the settlements they had plundered and stripped the inhabitants totally ruining some poor families besides insulting abusing and confining the people if they remonstrated this was enough to put us out of conceit of such defenders if we had really wanted any how different was the conduct of our french friends in seventeen eighty one who during a march through the most inhabited part of our country from rhode island to virginia near seven hundred miles occasioned not the smallest complaint for the loss of a pig a chicken or even an apple captain orme who was one of the general's aides de camp and being grievously wounded was brought off with him and continued with him to his death which happened in a few days, told me that he was totally silent all the first day, and at night only said, who would have thought it, that he was silent again the first day, saying only at last, we shall better know how to deal with them another time, and died in a few minutes after. The secretary's papers, with all the general's orders, instructions, and correspondence, falling into the enemy's hands they selected and translated into french a number of the articles which they printed to provide the hostile intentions of the british court before the declaration of war among these i saw some letters of the general to the ministry speaking highly of the great service i had rendered the army and recommending me to their notice david hume too who was some years after secretary to lord hertford when minister in france and afterwards to general conway when secretary of state told me he had seen among the papers in that office letters from braddock highly recommending me but the expedition having been unfortunate my service it seems was not thought of much value for those recommendations were never of any use to me as to rewards from himself i asked only one which was that he would give orders to his officers not to enlist any more of our bought servants and that he would discharge such as had already been enlisted this he readily granted and several were accordingly returned to their masters on my application dunbar when the command devolved on him was not so generous he being at philadelphia on his retreat or rather flight i applied to him for the discharge of the servants of three poor farmers of lancaster county that he had enlisted reminding him of the late general's orders on that head he promised me that if the masters would come to him at trenton where he should be in a few days on his march to new york he would there deliver their men to them they accordingly were at the expense and trouble of going to trenton and there he refused to perform his promise to their great loss and disappointment As soon as the loss of the wagons and horses was generally known, all the owners came upon me for the valuation which I had given Bond to pay. Their demands gave me a great deal of trouble, my acquainting them that the money was ready in the paymaster's hands, but that orders for paying it must first be obtained from General Shirley, and my assuring them I had applied to that general by letter. But he being at a distance, an answer could not soon be received and they must have patience. All this was not sufficient to satisfy, and some began to sue me. General Shirley, at length, relieved me from this terrible situation by appointing commissioners to examine the claims and ordering payment. They amounted to nearly £20,000, which to pay would have ruined me. Before we had the news of this defeat, the doctor's bond came to me with a subscription paper for raising money to defray the expense of a grand firework which it was intended to exhibit at a rejoicing on receipt of the news of our taking for King. i looked grave and said it would i thought be time enough to prepare for the rejoicing when we knew we should have occasion to rejoice they seemed surprised that i did not immediately comply with their proposal why the d-l says one of them you surely don't suppose that the fort will not be taken i don't know that it will not be taken but i know that the events of war are subject to great uncertainty i gave them the reasons of my doubting the subscription was dropped and the projectors thereby missed the mortification that they would have undergone if the firework had been prepared dr Bond on some other occasion afterwards said that he did not like franklin's forebodings governor morris who had continually worried the assembly with message after message before the defeat of braddock to beat them into the making of acts to raise money for the defense of the province without taxing among others the proprietary estates and had rejected all their bills for not having such an exempting clause now redoubled his attacks with more hope of success the danger and necessity being greater the assembly however continued firm believing they had justice on their side and that it would be giving up an essential right if they suffered the government to amend their money bills in one of the last indeed which was for granting fifty thousand pounds his proposed amendment was only of a single word the bill expressed that all estates real and personal those of the proprietaries not excepted. his amendment was for not read only A small but very material alteration. However, when the news of this disaster reached England, our friends there, whom we had taken care to furnish with all the assembly's answers to the governor's messages, raised a clamor against the proprietaries for their meanness and injustice in giving their governor such instructions, some going so far as to say that by obstructing the defense of their province, they forfeited their right to do it they were intimidated by this and sent orders to their receiver-general to add five thousand pounds of their money to whatever sum might be given by the assembly for such purpose this being notified to the house was accepted in lieu of their share of a general tax and a new bill was formed with an exempting clause which passed accordingly by this act i was appointed one of the commissioners for disposing of the money sixty thousand pounds i had been active in modeling the bill and procuring its passage and had at the same time drawn a bill for establishing and disciplining a voluntary militia which i carried through the house without much difficulty as care was taken in it to leave the quakers at their liberty to promote the association necessary to form the militia i wrote a dialogue stating and answering all the objections i could think of to such a militia which was printed and had, as I thought, great effect. End of chapter 16 Braddock's Expedition